Welcome to Chronically Jill, the podcast where I, Jillian Hagen, also known as the Fibro Rebel Online, will tell you all about my life with chronic illnesses, bring you more fun facts about fibromyalgia, and tell you the story of someone's day-to-day life with chronic illnesses. My pronouns are she, her. This is an independent podcast, which I am recording in my kitchen. We have a lot of animals and kids, so there will occasionally be noises in the background. And you're a jerk. (laughs) This podcast absolutely will contain explicit language, so please be forewarned. And as this is an independent podcast, I would love it if you supported me on Patreon or Acast. For as little as $2 a month, you can get access to early episodes, ad-free content, merch, and more. And if that's not something you're interested in, that's absolutely okay. I'm thankful for your support in just listening, sharing, and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's get on with the fun facts about fibro. Now, this isn't about fibro again, but it is about something that so many of us who have fibro deal with. Chronic fatigue syndrome, or CFS as we call it, as we will be calling it uh, quite often on this podcast, is a disorder that causes extreme fatigue lasting for at least six months. Any activity, physical or mental, worsens the fatigue, which doesn't improve with rest. Symptoms of CFS include sleep that isn't refreshing, memory issues, and dizziness that tends to worsen while standing. This condition is also known as ME, or myalgic, oh, I'm going to get this so wrong, encephalomyelitis, 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 I think. So myalgic encephalomyelitis. I am 100% sure that I am wrong there. Please call me on it if I am. Uh, Sometimes you will see it called ME slash CFS, and they have also recently proposed a new term, which is systemic exertional intolerance disease, or SEID. Experts aren't sure what causes CFS, although there are many theories. Psychological stress or viral infections are a couple of them. Testing for chronic fatigue is done by process of elimination since there is no direct testing available. Doctors will test for other conditions that have similar presentations, and then when they all come back negative, they will give a diagnosis of CFS. And I think all of us with fibro know all about the process of elimination diagnosis all too well and just how frustrating it is. Symptoms of CFS include, see if they sound familiar to you, fibromyalgia sufferers, fatigue, problems with memory or concentration, sore throat, 
headaches, enlarged lymph nodes on your neck or armpits, unexplained muscle or joint pain, dizziness that worsens with moving or from, sorry, dizziness that worsens with moving from laying down or sitting to standing, unrefreshed sleep, extreme exhaustion after physical or mental exercise. Anyone recognize these symptoms? Yeah, same. They're basically the same as fibro and a few other things. I've been diagnosed with both, so I guess that makes sense. There are so many things that share symptoms, which is why diagnoses can be so difficult to come by sometimes. Also, why it can change. Just another reason for the trolls out there to tell us how our pain isn't real. Dicks. There aren't any direct treatments for CFS because, of course, there isn't. We can only manage our symptoms, and as we all know, that isn't exactly the easiest thing in the world. Here's a list of all the things that the internet suggests for CFS. Medication, antidepressants, they help with mental health symptoms and can help take care of some of the sleep issues. Things like ibuprofen and naproxen can help with pain symptoms. Uh, Therapy can help with CFS. Apparently, therapy can help you improve your daily activities and general lifestyle changes to help with fatigue. Self-care, things like Yoda, Yoda, yoga, not Yoda, although Yoda could probably help too, but things like yoga and meditation, limiting limiting caffeine, um, I could never, uh, creating a sleep routine and learning to manage stress can all be useful tools in helping one live with CFS. Nutrition, eating lots of fruits and veggies, lean meats and low-fat dairy products will help. Eating anything processed is bad. And if you're the kind of person who can actually stick to any sort of elimination diet, all the power to you. I can't. I've tried. I fail. I still feel just as crappy, but I'm miserable because I just love food. Uh, The fatigue is one of the worst things that I deal with. It feels all-encompassing, like you will never live a full life again. And I will. We all will. But we have to make changes to what a full life actually means for us. We are always going to feel a little bit sick and a little bit tired. Certain days are going to be easy to ignore all of that stuff and live. Some days are going to need a little more experimentation to figure out how to do stuff. Basically, just do your best and that's going to change a lot. I'm going to take a little break and we will be back with my interview with Savannah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So hi, welcome Savannah. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Good. I'm glad you're here. You're, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, as far as chronically ill days go, it's actually a pretty decent one. That's good. So, um, so tell me about your chronic illnesses. What do you, what do you got going on? All right. It's a list. We're going to get long here. Yeah, that's um, okay. So the newest diagnoses right now are um, hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, I was also recently diagnosed, uh, at the end of last year with fibromyalgia and, um, we are on the diagnostic path for, uh, celiac disease. We've got the blood test results, but now you got to do like all the funky endoscopy and camera stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's the chronic illness category. Um, I'm also diagnosed with ADHD, autism, PTSD, depression, anxiety, you know, the whole shebang. Yeah. I, you know, I talked to so many people and it, it seems to be like a hand in hand thing. Cause I, I'm not diagnosed with any neurodivergent things, but that's because I'm too cheap to go to a psychologist to get. Oh my gosh. It's, oh. it's so expensive. My, my psychologist from back in Texas, uh, we still, we're still in touch because we worked together for quite a while. Um, he was telling me when I got diagnosed with Ellie Stanlos, he was like, yeah, that tracks. That's, uh, not uncommon. It's, uh, actually, you know, amongst the autistics, it's pretty, pretty frequently seen despite the fact that it's a rare disease in the general population. Yeah. That's really interesting. I've always thought there was like a bit of a link between a bunch of chronic illnesses and neurodivergence, but I mean, it makes sense. I'm not a scientist. I can't prove anything. It just, I just talk to a lot of people and there seems to be a lot of commonality there. Oh yeah, absolutely. You start to put the puzzle pieces together. You're like, Hmm, this seems like more than a coincidence. Yeah. So tell me about the diagnostic process for you for everything. Like, um, okay. So it was doctors. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I was a pretty sickly child. Uh, so I went through quite a few doctors when I was a kid trying to figure out what was going on. And of course, you know, this was before Ehlers-Danlos sort of made it to the forefront and things like mast cell activation syndrome were even actually like codified, um, as a diagnosis. So they kind of did a few things kind of threw their hands up and were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, good luck. And they were like, yeah, you'll probably just grow out of it. It'll be fine. Um, But I continued to have issues all throughout my life. And I just kind of did my best to cope with them as I could. Lots of sleeping, lots of restful weekends. Um, 
I was not the most like I wasn't in sports. I was like a super big nerd in high school. So I mean, I had no interest in sports anyway. Same. <laughs> and then uh, I think I tried to start working on that diagnostic process again when I was in my early 20s, um, 26 now for reference. Uh, and again, kind of threw their hands up and they were like, ah, we don't really know what's wrong with you, but like, you're pretty young still. So you probably still grow out of it. Like, you know, I hit 25 and my condition started to worsen, uh, really rapidly, which I've heard from a lot of EDS people. It's like you hit 25 and it's like you hit this wall. And a lot of people noticed that they deteriorated really quickly at that time. And that's exactly what happened to me. And so I was like, I'm 25, like I've stopped growing. I clearly, this is not something I'm gonna grow out of. We gotta figure out what's going on here. It's just really affecting the quality of life. So I went through my PCP my PCP was like, yeah, something's wrong. We need to, we need to figure this out. So she referred me out to infectious disease. I got a million blood tests done. Infectious disease was like, well, we don't think it's our wheelhouse, maybe rheumatology. So I went to rheumatology, rheumatology did blood tests, urine samples again. And they're like, well, you're hypermobile and you seem to have fibromyalgia, but like other stuff we're not really sure about. Good luck. No further referrals. So I started doing all of this research on my own. I was like, this doesn't answer all of all of the problems. So I kind of became my own medical researcher. I have read so much research. I've read so many accounts of like people with EDS. I was on like EDS TikTok. I was on Fibro TikTok. I was like following all of these different people. I mean, you're the reason I actually even found out about fibromyalgia. <laughs> Funnily cool. enough. Yeah, I know. You're the reason I found out. So it's like really cool to actually meet you. Um, well, you know, I'm so sorry because it all sucks, but <laughs> I mean, it's nice to know what it is. It's very isolating to not know what's going on and then to have a name for it. Like it's very scary. I mean, there's a difference between suspecting you have this thing and then actually finding out like the grief is overwhelming, but it also opens up this whole new community of people that you can reach out to, that you can get support from, that you can learn from. And so in doing all of this research, I started pinning down things. I was like, okay, I think, I think this might be in my diagnosis. I think this might be going on. I think this might be going on. So I started finding a specialist that handled EDS. And I went to her and she was like, hmm, definitely sounds like EDS. Let's do the genetic testing. We did. We got diagnosed with hypermobile EDS. Here we are. And now I have many, many more diagnostic appointments coming up to try and nail down all of the fun little comorbidities. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> and in like the very beginning stages of getting tested for EDS, because for 10 years they were like, no, you have a bad back. You've had surgeries on your spine. It's chronic pain. I'm like, I like maybe a little, but there's a lot, there's a lot happening. And then I got a fibromyalgia diagnosis like two and a half years ago. And now my doctor's mm -hmm. like, I, you know, I'm, I think it might be EDS. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I've, I've heard that from a lot of people that they started out with fibro and they were like, this, this isn't really cutting it. Like something else is going on underneath this. Like, sure. I might have this chronic pain condition, but like it's out as a result of something. And so I've heard that from lots of EDS people that, that they got fibro first and then they figured out EDS later. Yeah. Well, I was talking to, um, one of my friends and she was like, I have watched your elbows literally bend backwards. I have Ehlers-Danlos. Have you looked into that instead of fibromyalgia? I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> Cause yeah, yep. my, 
right backwards like like that which yep. yeah that and the, I was a kid. and the subluxes the 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 constant popping of the joints yeah, it's my, like it's more than just a pop my it's like you 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 feel it you feel it like kind of come out and you're like uh oh that's not good yeah that happened to my jaw um oh, during fun times with my husband <laughs> and I'm like oh my gosh you know what I've been there I've, I've been there I've had to like uh we need like a, a timeout real quick because I gotta like pop this back into place something yeah. Yeah. just just a sec we'll be right back so at this point, my daughter had come in to ask to play on my phone and she had just done like a pouty walk away and we were just talking and laughing about it. And we started talking about how my daughter who has ADHD and is in the testing stages for autism, once she gets an idea in her head, she needs to do it like right then. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. And that's where we kind of jump back into this conversation about chronic illnesses. Yeah, you know, it's actually sort of a thing that reminds me of chronic illness. It's like when you get that wind of energy, that second wind come in, like you got to do it right then because that is not going to last. Oh, yeah, I will I like do, do everything so many dishes right now. Like, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I do so much cleaning like that. And, and people, you know, ask me, they're like, are you like manic or something? And I'm like, no, I have energy right this second. And we got to, we got to get everything done right now. Oh my gosh. I did that the other day. We, my husband and I, in our bedroom, we, I slept on one side of the bed and he slept on the other, but it wasn't working for me to organize. And I just threw uh -huh. my stuff everywhere. So we, we were going to switch closets and switch sides of the bed so I could organize my stuff more easily. And um, he went to drive kids to school in the morning and I started doing it because he was going to be coming home. And right. He calls and he's like, I'm not going to come home. I have to go do blood tests. I have doctor's appointments. I'm just going to stay here until I pick kids up from school. He, and I'm like, I have already started. And he's like, what? Like, no, <laughs> like you don't understand. Like I have my closet entirely cleared out and I'm putting your stuff in. This train is left. I'm doing it how I'm going to do it now. And you have no choice but to just deal with it. Yep. You're, you're really just along for the ride at this point. Yeah, you can figure out organization or whatever later, but... Yes, I, I'm just going to do this all today. And then the next day I couldn't move. Yep. That, that sounds about right. That tracks. Uh, I do the same exact thing. And you would think by now I would have learned maybe like not to just go hog wild. Uh, but I don't seem to have learned that lesson. So I just still go hog wild. Go ham. Yeah. You know, I've tried the whole saving your spoons thing and all that. And they just go away. If I don't use them, they like expire. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They definitely just like expire. Like you have 24 hours to use the spoons. And if you don't use the spoons, they're gone. You, yeah, your coupon know, has expired. <laughs> and I know some people that aren't like that. They can like store them and then use them for a big thing. But I need to just get them out. Yeah, no, I envy those people that can store them. Like I wish I had spoon storage. I wish I had like a whole drawer that I could just pull spoons from or put them away. Yeah, mine are totally random. Like I can do something the entire day and then the next day I'll still be fine and I'll still have spoons, but other days I'll do like one thing and I'm done for two days. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just, it depends on the day. It depends on your pain levels. It depends on how you slept that night. It depends on like what you ate for dinner three days ago. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm sleeping like shit right now. Cause that the little one that keeps coming in here, she's been coming and sleeping in our bed every night for the last oh. like two weeks. And I will never stop her. Cause she's seven. And there's, we just, I just right. don't have that. She's the youngest. I don't have much long left that she's going to want to do that, but yeah. I don't sleep. <laughs> it's like, I love you. And I want to do this with you because you're going to grow up soon and you're not going to want to snuggle with me in bed every night. But she, our, also, our- I would love to sleep. Yeah. I know our oldest is 13 and she's mean. And then oh we God. have two 10-year-olds that are like getting there. And I'm like, no, I just miss oh, all the no. sweet little kids. But I guess that's you- right. Maybe when they grow up, they'll get snuggly again because I'm super snuggly with my mom. Uh I may be 26, but nothing beats like head pets from your mom, honestly. That actually sounds really nice. My mom like hugs tentatively, but she's never been much for like physical. I, oh my gosh. Brain every body. time, every time I go home to Texas to visit my parents, uh, I immediately, like, I walk in and I'm like, mom, can I have head pets? Like at night when we're watching TV before bed, I'm like, mom, can I come put my head in your lap? <laughs> she never tells me no though. She, oh, always, I hope my she always says it's fine. Older. <laughs> okay. So, uh, walk so. me through like what day in your life. Like, what does it look like a good day and a bad day? All right, let's start with a good day. Let's have the fun stuff. Um, so an average good day for me, I am a boring like nine to five pencil pusher. Uh, so I get up, you know, I, I moved actually to be living across the street from my job. So my commute is all of like two minutes, uh, which is very convenient, very nice. I don't really like commuting. Um, So I get up about seven o'clock in the morning and like first thing I do is I am blind as a bat. So I have to put my contacts on and I go through the general morning hygiene, wash your face, wash, you know, your hands, wash your hair, all that Um, and get myself dressed and ready to go. And about that time, my service dog is, is bothering me for breakfast. So he gets fed. I feed myself. We go out for walkies. Um, and in the mornings and the evening, he gets snippy walks. So as far as I am able to walk that day, um, I will take him to walk and he gets to like sniff everything. So he gets to be like free to do sort of his own thing. Cause you know, I feel bad. He has, he crates a lot. Um, he doesn't always come to work with me. So he crates a lot. So I feel bad for him. So I'm like, hey, you should get your sniffies in. Um, And then I usually come home, have a cup of coffee, relax, like try to get my brain centered for the day. Um, You know, go do my nine to five, come home. And unfortunately, by the time I'm done with my nine to five, I usually don't have a ton of energy. So, um, you know, Barley goes for his evening constitutional and I come home, make us dinner. And usually he's very, very cuddly. He's actually right next to me cuddling. He's very, very cuddly. And so when I get home at night, he's actually not really in the mood to play. He's usually in the mood to join Aww. me in bed. Puppy. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is Barley. Um, oh, he's, so he's usually, he's ready to join me in bed. So I basically just kind of pat my thigh and say, you know, cuddle bedtime. And so we'll, I go put on a TV show and we'll just cuddle and he makes me feel so, so much better. I like, I think my pain levels would actually be a lot worse if I didn't have him. I mean he like he likes to be the big spoon sometimes like he's got a big personality that's so sweet animals Um, i love them we have three cats and two dogs and four kids who are kind of like animals but 
I just I have I always wanted just a house filled with animals. I know I see like any animal that's like on a rescue website or something. I'm like, oh, I I want to adopt that dog and that dog and that cat and like that goat that somehow ended up at that rescue. I love goats. They're my favorite. I love goats. They're just weird dogs. Yeah. Oh, I I would have so many animals, but we live in like the middle of suburbia or whatever it's called the suburbs you live yeah. in the suburbs and, I, I um, wouldn't have anywhere to keep chickens. a goat on on my balcony yeah maybe maybe um so somewhere along in all of that of course is my cat Nimbus running around doing her own thing um but she once lights go out and it's you know about nine or ten o'clock she comes in and joins us and sleeps with us at night um so that's a that's a good day that's an average good day on a bad day, um, if I'm lucky, I can still go to work. Uh, a lot of times I either end up having to call out or work from home. Um, I'm really, really lucky that I have a job where I can just be like, I'm not feeling well today, guys. I'm going to work from home. And it's no big deal. Um, so I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, bad days are usually bed days, basically. Um I have a weighted blanket on my bed and I pretty much just like cower under that. Um, That helps definitely with the chronic pain. Um, And I eat a lot of comfort food. I'll eat a lot of carbs when I don't feel good. Uh, I'm a carb loader. And you know what? At this point, I'm like, if you can eat something when you don't feel good, you can have whatever you want. Uh, If you want to eat French fries all day, you know what? Do it. Um, Because there's a lot of bad days where I I can't really eat. And so whatever craving I might have at the time, I just, I just indulge it at this point. And I found that works a lot better because it means I actually eat more on my bad days than than if I just like, I'm like, no, I got to eat vegetables and I got to eat healthy and, and stuff. I'm like, I save that for my good days. It's so hard because they all involve prep too, or ordering from somewhere. And it's so much more expensive to order if that's what you're doing. And yeah. And when you've got dietary restrictions, you've got like all of five options in the entire city. I think I've got like two right now, two good delivery options and and it's pizza or burgers from these places that have gluten-free. So it's just like, that's, that's not always what you want. And also it costs like $50 to have food delivered. Cause if you're going to get it delivered, you might as well get a bunch of it at once. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Most of my family is celiac. So I know the struggle and yeah, I, they thought I was, I'm just, I just have sensitivity to it. So I just eat mm-hmm. it now, but <laughs> I got tested. It's okay. I'm not going to die. That was my biggest worry was that it still makes me feel sick. But bread. I love bread. I'm sorry. You can't have good bread anymore. You know what? That's not true. I made Better. my own bread. Oh, really? One of the best purchases I've ever made in my entire life was my bread maker that I got when I found out I had celiac. And I've started, like, all I have to do is just throw the ingredients in there on like a Saturday morning, tell it to go. And then in like three and a half hours, I have delicious bread. That's awesome. So like, that is the best chronic illness thing I've ever bought. Buy a bread maker. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I did the gluten-free thing for a bit and it's really hard to find store-bought decent bread. Oh gosh. It's always like crumbly or, or really dry. It's just generally sad. And also it's like as big as an infant's palm. Like yeah. it's always so tiny. And so like when you make it yourself and like your bread maker, 
you get like a real slice of bread, which is, you know, you don't need to eat like four of them to feel like you had a real slice of bread. That's very nice. There's a gluten-free bakery one town over from me and their bread's awesome, but it's also like $8 a loaf. Yep. Yep. (laughs) There's a gluten-free bakery not far from me. And so I don't buy bread from them very often unless I want something special. Like they do like demi baguettes and stuff. And so when I want to feel fancy, I might have like a baguette. Um, and they do cupcakes, which I've not really figured out the whole gluten-free baking thing very well yet. So I, I will splurge on a cupcake every now and again. And they also do bagels. Again, not really figured out the whole gluten-free bageling, baking thing. So, yeah. um, but they're like a town over, it's like 20 or 30 minutes away each direction. And so I really have to want to drive out there to do it. Yeah, for sure. So are you, you said you were in Texas. Where are you now? I am in Seattle now. So I was born and raised in Texas. And then during the pandemic, I actually moved to Seattle. Um, I graduated just before the pandemic in the spring of 2019, was having trouble finding a job, Um, ended up taking a year off, getting a certificate as a paralegal. And then during the pandemic, obviously finding a job was not the easiest thing in the world. So I was looking in the city close to where we lived and just, it wasn't really panning out. So I thought, why don't we cast a wider net? Let's just apply all over the country and see what sticks. <laughs> um, and so I did. And Seattle is the one that stuck. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm moving to Seattle now. And so <laughs> I've been here since October, the end of October, 2020. So like right in the midst of winter, which was fantastic because I love the rain so the weather here is just a plus and the summers are really really mild and that was always a problem for me as a kid I was so heat intolerant so like six to nine months out of the year in Texas I had to like hide in my house or like go from my air-conditioned house to an air-conditioned car to an air-conditioned other place (laughs) so it was just it was miserable and my parents were getting diagnosed with EDS while I was up here you know, we were talking, we we're like, oh, you know, we don't want to live so far apart because now you're diagnosed with these chronic illnesses. We want to be closer together. Maybe you come back to Texas. And I did come back for a visit recently and it was hot again. And I wilted like, like a flower. I just, it was not good. And so they were like, okay, definitely not coming back to Texas. We'll come up to Seattle because they like it up here. It's gorgeous. I always oh, send yeah. mom pictures of the flowers here in the spring. Um, or we'll be FaceTiming while I'm walking barley and I'm like flipping the camera around. I'm like, look at this pretty flower. Look at this pretty flower. Yeah. I love Seattle. It's so nice. I'm cause we're, I'm just right across the border in Canada. I'm in Chilliwack. So we're yeah, like a couple hours from each other. So we have roughly the same climate, but I hate the weather here. I would do super well in like Arizona where it's just warm and dry like hot and dry. I'm good. So I feel like it's you, you're either one end of the spectrum or the other. You either like the cold and you do really well in the cold or you like the hot and you do really, really well in the hot. But I don't think anybody seems to do well in the hot and humid. That's just the, that's the no, no zone. Like when it was 47 degrees here last summer, that was getting a little rough, but (laughs) if I, when we we were out of the beach and stuff, it was fine. It was when Mm -hmm. I like, um, where my in-laws live in our basement suite and they take off on the whole summer because they own a sailboat. So we moved down into their house just because it's partially underground. And that was all we could, we couldn't even come up to our place. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so cheap. I'm like my grandfather. Uh, he was born in the depression. This man cracks me up. Um, 
I will not turn on my heater. Like my heater lives at about 60 to 60 to 65 degrees in the winter. Um, and in the summer I have like a portable air conditioner that's for 700 square foot, which is like about the size of my apartment. Um, <laughs> and like that's cranked like all the way down so like I'll come in from from if it's like hot outside or something and it's just like freezing cold in my apartment like it's too expensive for me to turn on the gas that costs like 0. 0.00035 you know dollars <laughs> in the winter but like I will crank that air conditioner down like absolutely no questions asked like yeah. Uh, I crank the heat so much in the winter that my, my husband and I sat down to redo our budget. So I paid the entire heat because he's like, no, this is your thing. This is you. I'm not paying $300 a month for the heat when it's you. And I'm like, you know what? Fair. That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. That's <laughs> I fine. All of it. Yeah. I'm warm in the winter. Yeah, I, I grew up with my mom, you know, being of the mindset of, you know, if you're cold, go put on a pair of socks or like go get a blanket or something. And I think that just translated to me moving out on my own and being like, no, it's too expensive to turn the heat on. We don't turn the heat on in this place. Like the only time I will turn the heat on is if somebody's visiting, which the only people that visit me generally are my parents, because I like to have control over when I'm done, like socializing. So I so rarely invite anybody over to my apartment. Um, like one of the few people I will invite to, to my place, she lives back in Texas still, but I mean, she and I are done socializing at the exact same time. We're like, all right, it's been about an hour. Like we're good. Um, I love you. Like, I'll see you again later. Bye now. I'm going to go take a nap. Um, yeah. That's like the exception to the rule. I'm like, you have to leave in about an hour and a half. But like, you can't say that to somebody when they come into your house. You can't be like, okay, so you're coming here, but I need you to know that there's a deadline of 1.5 hours for you to get out of my house. Wouldn't that be nice though, if you could? I know, but people think it's rude. So, you know, you have to be like, oh yeah, you can come over and stay for however long. Yeah, we bought our house about two and a half years ago and because we have four kids and we needed a big place, but I didn't really think that buying the big house meant that suddenly every single family gathering ever was going to be here oh, and dear. it was a big adjustment because you know we used to go to someone's house and yeah and now you're the one that everybody here. expects to do it at your house yeah and I'm a terrible oh host because I will just go have a nap in the afternoon and oh uh, yeah my mom and mother-in-law make up for it. They're very like type A, let's do this. And they're always moving kind of people and they understand what's going on with me, which is really nice, but it's still, it's a lot having. I, I am so appreciative of my parents being autistic as well. Uh, we call ourselves the autism family for a reason. <laughs> um, my social battery is a lot smaller than theirs usually, um, but like, we have like our close family friends that would come visit us all like know that we're the autism family. Like somebody's gonna go nap while you're there. And they're totally cool with it. They might be the ones that go nap. They might be like, can <laughs> I go like nap? And we'll be like, absolutely, guest room's all yours. Yeah, have at um, it. Ha have at it, take a nap. And so like, they're totally cool. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go nap for a while. And they're like, okay, I'm just gonna knit on the sofa for a bit. Like, come, come out when you're like ready. 
And so I'm so appreciative of my parents' friends that are like that. I'm so appreciative of my parents too. Cause like, if they're visiting here, like part of me feels bad because I'm like, oh, I should take you to go do fun things and like check out the city. But also I would like a nap. Yeah. And so there's like almost always a nap built into the day. Like we'll go do something fun in the morning and then come back for a nap and do like a fun little dinner thing or something. Yeah, it's nice when you have people where you can set those boundaries and you can say, this is what I need and this is how we're going to do it. I used to have a really good friend who we could just like, she would just come over and we would just like do our own thing. And it was like hanging out with someone and you just like weren't alone. I think it's like parallel play, right? And you just, yeah, yeah. and I don't have that anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Something, something like that, parallel play, doubling, I think different things, different people call it different things. But yeah, I, I love that. I do the same thing with my parents. I may be in Seattle, but like on the weekends, we'll start a FaceTime call and it'll go for hours. Like we're not even talking to each other. Like we're, we're like, you can see uh, each other and stuff, or like, we'll be both all puttering around. Like you'll see somebody kind of pass in front of the camera every so often. You don't hear somebody in the distance, like we're cleaning or we're like reading our book or whatever. Like we're just, sharing space basically as best we can in the distance but uh we're like we're not even talking we'll talk at the beginning and then we're like okay that's fun gotta do my own thing now yeah and that's it's you just it makes you feel a little less alone yeah absolutely it definitely helps with like the loneliness and that's something that can really creep up on you with chronic illness because you just don't have as much energy to spend time with people so you, you have to have people whose like energy, they can match your energy. They can deal with that, like, you know, just sharing space kind of thing. I have, I have so much appreciation for the people that I can do that with. Yeah. It's nice. My husband's like that for me. Sometimes he's completely neurotypical and it's kind of annoying sometimes, <laughs> but he's, he's also super understanding. Like he works in, um, he works with people that have conditions so they can't take care of themselves on their own. And that's his <laughs> job. And he makes jokes about how I married my job. And I'm like, Haha, mm-mm. but you know, <laughs> whatever. But he, I mean, yeah. you made the choice, dude. It, it was your, you know, you 100% oh, yeah. had control of that, over that one. Absolutely. And we're completely in love. But he, it's nice because I can tell him what's going on with me. I can tell him these things and it doesn't scare him off. Yeah. Cool. And that's, that's amazing because so many people, you, you really can't do that. Um, you know, I started, I started using a wheelchair back in February. I walk barley still. We're still working on the whole getting used to the wheelchair thing. It's been a bit hard for him because um, I don't have as much energy to train him. Uh, so we may be we may be reaching out to like a trainer or something like that to to work on that. But during the workday, get the getting up and down out of my chair constantly at my desk and walking across the office was just it was getting to be too much. My my I was subluxing all these joints in my lower body all the time and I was just tired and achy and stuff so I decided to get a wheelchair and I know that was a really hard transition for my parents but like as soon as I started using it I could tell how much of a difference it was making but like I am the only person that is visibly chronically ill at my office and so when I suddenly went from walking to using a wheelchair all the time at work, there was like this huge disconnect. There was, there was this cognitive dissonance that everybody had because they didn't, I was very good at masking my condition. 
masking my pain, masking how I felt. And so most people didn't know what I was going through at the time. And then suddenly I show up with a wheelchair and, you know, being autistic and not a very visible autistic, being very good at masking and being able to sort of, you know, find my place in society. You know, I, I never really experienced microaggressions until I got the wheelchair. And I'd always heard of people talk about microaggressions, whether they catch that. Could you try again? Nobody asked you. Is that your watch? <laughs> My watch does yeah. that all the time. Yeah, Siri, I, I use this. It's sort of a safety mechanism. It keeps track of my heart rate for me. And it also, you know, has fall response. So, you know, yeah, that's fall. And that's I the can whole reason my I phone got ding it. when I lose it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The number <laughs> like, of times I have to make my phone ding because I've set it down on a couch. <laughs> and my apartment is not that big. But I'll set it down and I'm just wandering around like a ditz. Like, oh, where's my phone? I just had it a second ago. The best is yeah. when I'm walking around with it in my hand. And I'm like, I've done that. The, br- the brain fog will get you every time. Yeah. Every single time. And for some, I have a brown case on mine and I put it face down, like on my brown counter and I should probably get a neon case, but I don't. That's why I have brightly colored cases. But, um, but yeah, so I, I didn't start experiencing microaggressions until I got in this wheelchair and people were like, so like, how long are you going to be in the wheelchair? What's that for? Um, and you know, it's a constant thing there, you know, and I know that they don't, like a lot of my coworkers, it's a pretty small company. So we're pretty tight knit and I know that they mean well, but the way it comes off is like the wheelchair is the worst thing to possibly happen to me. And in my view, the wheelchair is the best thing to possibly happen to me because I can do more. I'm not like just completely exhausted and in so much pain all the time. Like I can walk barley because I'm in the wheelchair all day long. Yeah. So it's a it's a very strange thing to experience that that dissonance where suddenly you're no longer perceived as able-bodied or you're no longer perceived the same way and people's at- whole attitude changes. It's wild. Yeah. Um. Sorry, my husband's probably gonna be mad at me for telling the story because he doesn't look great in it. But when we were like <laughs> early dating, um, we were going to a casino to meet some of his work friends. He was doing mm-hmm. something there. And I had my cane with me that day because I needed it at that yeah. point. And we were about to go in and he said, do you mind not using your cane? And I'm like, why? <laughs> and he, it, it was like five seconds. And he's like, that might be the crappiest thing I've ever said. Absolutely. No, use your cane. You need it. But I like, he's like, I had a moment where I, uh, the only thing in my head is what are, what are my coworkers going to think about my girlfriend? Like yeah. they're just going to, and, and, you know, he, he backtracked pretty quick and he, I, he felt bad, but that was the first thing through his head still. And yeah, I get it. it. It's like, it's a thing that you have to think about. And well, and you know, and it, and it really affects the way you're able to build relationships with other people because you sort of have to overcome that bias frequently with people. I, like, I feel like the exception to that rule is other chronically ill people who are using, well, not necessarily because like I, as a chronically ill person, before I started using a wheelchair, I certainly wouldn't have thought anything of it. But, you know, if you're not somebody that deals with pain, that deals with these chronic issues, I think it's just like an unconscious bias that's, that just gets built in for the way that, you know, media interacts with disabled bodies. And 
the way you see other people interact with with disabled bodies. So like it's it's almost like if you're not disabled, you kind you 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 come off that way, and it's it's hard to overcome that. And I mean, even when you go from being quote unquote able-bodied, because I don't think I ever really was truly able-bodied, but passing as able-bodied and thinking of myself that way, there's still a lot to unpack there when you when you get to that point where you're like, no, I, I should use a mobility aid. It would be helpful. It, you know, it would reduce my pain. It would reduce my symptoms. You still kind of have to go through a period to unpack all of your own ableist uh tendencies and I mean I feel like I'm still unpacking my own ableist tendencies yeah even to this day oh I think it's a constant struggle with everything um, yeah, like, I was 23 or 24 when I hurt my spine and mm -hmm. it was between hurting it and my first surgery was about a year and a half and I don't think one single person believed like my family my friends people that were close to me believed how bad it was until a doctor said oh emergency surgery let's go and I was in surgery but I don't think anyone believed me I don't know if they I don't think they thought I was fully faking but I don't think they believed that it was as bad as it was well I mean pain is so invisible in so many ways yeah <laughs> um pain is so, is so cute <laughs> thank you i've had him since he was eight weeks old he's the love of my life um but yeah it, it's so frequently invisible that it's hard for people to quantify it which is i think how so many people understand these sorts of things is they need to quantify it and you, you really can't understand it in a way that's not qualitative you can't quantify pain because you know, the other thing is, is that my eight might be your five or your six, yeah. you know, so it is so subjective. And I think that that's hard to understand for people that haven't truly experienced it. I know my parents really struggled at the beginning of my using a wheelchair and now they're super supportive. They're like, you need to get a custom wheelchair because your wheelchair is too heavy and it's too hard for you to deal with. Um, but at the first point, like they did have a little trouble with it. They weren't really sure if I, if I really truly needed it, I think. And I don't know if they really realized how that came off to me. And so I was really worried about using it in front of them because I was like, well, I don't want to make my parents uncomfortable. And then it was like that ableist brain kicked in. It was like, I don't want to use it in my front, front of my parents and make my parents uncomfortable. But then I had to check myself and go, it doesn't matter if they're uncomfortable because if I don't use it, I'm going to be uncomfortable. Exactly. And well, I just went through the same thing kind of with my son who he sprained his ankle riding his bike. And, mm -hmm. you know, someone who was there was like, what's the pain? One, like one to 10, what's the pain? He's screaming 10. And I'm like, it's a sprained ankle. That's not a 10, but it's his 10. And yeah. it was, and, but because of that, my brain went, oh, he's obviously lying about his pain because it's a sprained ankle is not a 10. That's like barely even a five, but for him it is. Right. And for us, it's not because we deal no. with so much other pain, but that's like, that's a new experience for him. Yeah. It was the worst he's ever been injured. And like for that's his 10, my 10 is my back pain and like childbirth. Which right. You know, and like I, what I walk around with every day is probably a solid six or seven for me, but that would debilitate someone who's not used to it. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, when you first start out, your pain is very debilitating. It's almost like you get yeah. desensitized to it. So now what was an eight for us is, yeah, that's an average 
like four for me, you know? Yeah. I go, I'm functioning. I can move. That's good day. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's just, it's so subjective. And I think that's, that's also what makes it so hard for people that don't experience it to understand is yeah. that as you go through, um, that desensitization happens and then, you know, your pain, your pain tolerance changes. I had a really high pain tolerance as a kid. I remember my mom always said that like, whenever I told her that something hurt, she knew that it was serious because I never complained about pain. Um, and so she always knew to take me seriously if I really did complain about something hurting. And I think that, I think that really um, kind of tracks today even because I mean, like I'll kind of mention offhand, like my hip's hurting today, that's annoying, you know, but it's a day that's like a five, you know? Yeah. But like, if I tell my mom, like my hips, like, killing me today like it's it's really bothering me like she knows that I'm at like you know an eight or a nine at that point and that I definitely need to not walk anywhere and that I should probably be like resting staying at home not moving um so you know the people in your life that care about you will sort of adjust themselves and adjust their own thinking um and that's <laughs> I hate to say it but like that's how you know who your real friends are you know, is, is who's willing to adjust their thinking and who's willing to, you know, adapt and help you overcome these things and help you still have a life and do fun things, but like on, on your terms and not just on there. Like, well, I want to do all these things today. I want to go out and go to the zoo and go to the aquarium and have lunch at this cool little cafe. Like sounds awesome. Over like four days. That's like four days. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, that's, I have done one activity today. Please wait five to seven business days before requesting another activity. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I went like paddling on a lake and skating with my kids in the same day. And like halfway through skating, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I can't even move. This was the worst idea I've ever had in my life. Oh yeah. yeah, Yeah. One activity per day. If that. I, I will say this for one of my ex-boyfriends. Um, I was not diagnosed at the time, but he knew that my energy levels were really low. And so really one of the things that we did most of the time was we would hang out, we would watch movies. Um, one of the things we did together was we started reading a book series together, which were all quiet activities. And then like occasionally we would plan something to go out. Like um, we were both super into fountain pens and um, so like we, I found out about this fountain pen show by listening to NPR love NPR. Thank you for turning me on to like weird stuff. Thank you. Um, and I found out about it happening in Dallas. I was like, Hey, this weekend, like this thing is happening and I know we're super interested in it. Do you want to go for a couple of hours? And we did, we went, we explored a little bit and about, you know, about the time I was wearing out, like he could tell, he was like, you're about ready to go home. Aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done. And so we did. And like, it was, it was never a problem for him. Like when my energy tapped out, I mean, he likes, he was like this super type A, he loved to go clubbing. He loved to like go out at night. He, he was from Mexico. Um, he'd grown up there. And so like, he'd go to Guanajuato and like, that's like party town. And so he'd like go clubbing all night and go drinking with his friends. And they would like go for this whole weekend. And like, he'd come back and he's like, yeah, I feel really good. I feel really fresh. Like I'm kind of tired, but I had a really fun time. And I was like, I would literally be dead. Like <laughs> I would, I would not survive that weekend. 
gosh, and so that's one of the things he yeah. never even in, he would tell me when he was going to go do these things but he never invited me because he knew i didn't want to go yeah. or that i couldn't <laughs> handle going but if i ever expressed any interest in something that he was doing you know it was always it was always an open invitation it was like you know i might like to try and go do like something fun like go out to the bar together and so he's like yeah let's do it but we'll do it for only an hour yeah you know and and he never made me feel bad about having to go home and so like i you know i love him for that yeah that's great i can't imagine so, doing that though oh my god we did vegas a couple of years ago and then it took oh my god four days to recover from coming back like <laughs> And I spent as much time like in the hotel as I possibly could. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, I remember when I was in high school, I went to national competitions for this thing called Technology Student Association. And um, we were in Florida for like a week and everybody wanted to go do stuff. Like, you know, they wanted to go play mini golf and everybody wanted to go down to the swimming pool all day long. And run around and just like anytime our chaperones would take us out everybody was like let's do it and I remember after I got back I was so tired and like the other downside was I had to have a roommate with like people that I didn't know which was never my that was never my thing I don't I don't really do roommates and so I was like having to figure out how to like deal with the fact that I needed to go to sleep at like you know, eight or nine o'clock and they would stay up till, you know, 11 midnight, one, you know, some odd in the morning. I don't do that. Like I go to bed at grandma time. I am in bed at like seven o'clock. My lights are out at eight. Oh, I wish. You know, I, it's the upside to being like a young single professional is like, I make my own bedtime. You know, I'm not, I'm not tied down to like children needing to go to bed and like, no, you know, I, I live by care. myself. I don't have a partner. So, you know, I, I don't have anybody else to like judge my, you know, for me to like have to up, alter my schedule. around. <laughs> my husband went away for a week and I was in bed at 830 every night. Like I put the kids to bed and I went to bed and it was great. I loved oh, it. Gosh, I can only imagine. Yeah, that would have, yeah. that would have been great. I remember, um, recently a girl I was seeing, uh, you know, I went to bed before she did. She, she could not go to bed early, which was understandable because she worked sort of this late night, like almost night shift. Like she would get off at like eight 30 at night. And so on the weekends, she still didn't want to go to bed that early because it would throw off her whole schedule. So when I was visiting with her, um, at one point, like I, I would go to bed. She knew I was like, she would feed me. And then she was like, <laughs> knew that I would go to bed really, really early. And then she would just come join me or like, she'd come get in bed with me. Um, and just like watch TV or something. Cause I would be knocked out. You know, I'd take my meds and I would be gone with the wind. Yeah. We compromise. My husband's like a one to 2am going to bed or even though he gets up early for work and I'm like an eight 30. So we go to bed around like 10 or 11. Most yeah, sometimes I, I go earlier, but I love my parents' way of doing things because like they will, you know, cuddle together and like get in bed together, like in the morning, or they'll sometimes sleep together, but they have two separate bedrooms. Uh this started out because they're both insomniacs and like they might want to like just get up and read or something, but they didn't want to disturb the other person. Or my dad snores really loudly. So sometimes that would just keep my mom up. So they started doing two separate bedrooms and it's worked beautifully for them. And so like that's always something that's in the back of my mind. Like I love having my own bed, my own space. 
And so I'm always like, okay, potential partner needs to like, I need to screen them. Like, how do they feel about having two separate bedrooms so that I can sleep comfortably and spread out the way that I need to, or like toss and turn all the time. Cause I'm in pain. Um, you know, like that's like a screening question I have, like yeah. for potential, like for partners or, or people that I'm going on dates with. I'm like, how do you feel about two separate bedrooms? And are you willing to like consider that? <laughs> it's like, if they're not, I'm like, all right, well, this was fun. I loved meeting you, but this is definitely not going to work out. Yeah. That sounds awesome to be honest. Cause I sleep on the, <laughs> I sleep on the couch a few times a month because my husband snores too loud. And I just, if I don't fall asleep first, I, I can't fall asleep in the same bed as him. I, I can sleep through it, but I need to be already sleeping when he starts. So I'll kind yep. of sleep on the couch or whatever, but I would not hate having a guest room where I earn a room for him. <laughs> just like go and yeah, it there. used to be that my mom lived in the in the guest room, but since I moved out, she actually lives in like my old room is is her room now. Um, so like when I come to visit, she gets kicked out of my room, and I have I sleep in there, and then she has to sleep with my dad for a couple nights, um, which doesn't seem to bother them that much. But like it's definitely consideration with my parents moving up here, since like we kind of want to get a place together, maybe like a split level or like one of those things where you you kind of have like separate spaces, but you're still together. Yeah. Um, because also I'm, I'm young and the only way I'm ever going to be able to afford a house apparently in this economy is to go in with my parents. Um, got a huge, I got a huge inheritance and his parents bought into our house so they could live in the basement. That's it. That's so it it all happened and we're like, okay, we're going to buy, but we had no intention of buying a house because I can't save up a down payment. Right. Exactly. It's and crazy. so like, you know, that's a consideration. I'm like, okay, my parents need two separate bedrooms and like, I definitely need my own room and maybe we need like a separate bedroom for guests to come slash like maybe if I ever have a life partner, that's their bedroom, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like doing all this math. I'm like, okay, how many bedrooms do we need for everybody? Craft needs to be uh, satisfied. Like we need a separate garage for my dad to do his woodworking in and like, it's like this whole thing. Oh my gosh, that sounds like my house. Our entire garage is a, is a wood shop for my husband yep. and I. And I'm just never going to get to park my car in a garage, which in the winter yeah, makes me I, really sad. But I think my mom has resigned herself to the fact that she will never be able to park her car in a garage um, because my dad has been a woodcarver my whole life. I used to sit and watch him for forever. I just sit on a stool and like stare at him. Um, <laughs> And like somewhere, somewhere in his garage exists this little block of wood that has sloppily written the date. And I think my initials in Sharpie and like a gouge from a chisel out of it and a nail very poorly, like crookedly put in it because I I begged my dad. I was like, I want to learn how to woodwork too. I want to work on wood. He's like, here's a block, here's a hammer, here's a nail, go to town. Yep. And I did. I was, I was such a happy camper. But, you know, that's like a consideration you have to make is it's like, it's not just the chronically ill people you have to, you have to consider when you're, when you're making housing arrangements, you know, like, sure, I have needs, but I also need to be considerate of other people. Yeah. I know. I feel one of the times I feel like the guiltiest is when I'm on my couch and I'm stuck on my couch. Cause I don't, 
if my husband's not home and we have four kids here, I don't, I can't be in the bedroom. I need to be able to like, at least be in some sort of central part of the house, but that right. takes the TV away from them. Cause we only have one TV. I'm not a huge, I don't like TVs in bedrooms and all that kind of stuff. So I basically steal the TV from them all day. And every once in a while, they'll like want to come in and watch a movie, but they don't the older ones at least don't want to hang out with me for the most part, especially when I'm on the couch going oh, every time I move. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, I don't even have a television because I'm like, what's the point? I, I can't see a television very well if it's too far away from me. So I always end up watching things on my laptop or my phone. And also I want to have control about like where I am. Like, do I want to be on my couch? Do I want to be in my bed? you know, and I don't want a TV in the bedroom. I grew up in a no TVs in the bedroom kind of house myself. And so uh, I, I, I haven't even bothered to buy a TV. Like people ask me about like when I moved in, they're like, oh, are you going to buy a TV and stuff? Like, you know, you said you didn't have one. I was like, no, why would I buy a TV? I have a perfectly good laptop. Yeah. If I didn't have kids, I wouldn't have a TV. There's no reason for one. Like everything streams. It's not like you right. need anything else. Uh, so yeah, do you have any, like, do you have any advice for someone who's like getting newly diagnosed or that's in the process or? Um, I think my biggest, like couple of things of advice would be like, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Like doctors will tell you all the time, like, oh, you don't need that testing or like, oh, that's a bit extreme. Or like, I don't think you've got that. Like, don't be afraid. Like, I get that they've got an eight year medical degree and like, you feel very underqualified compared to them, but your doctor is not in your brain or your body. So if you feel like, you know, you're not getting the testing or the care that you need, either advocate for yourself so hard, just tell your doctor, like, no, that's not going to work. I need this or find yourself a new doctor. I've been known to do that. I've been like, all right, like, bye. I'm out. Um, and then my other thing I would tell them is that like, I know how isolating it feels until you have a label for it. Like everybody tells you, don't, don't put labels on yourself, blah, blah, blah. No labels feel so good. And it feels so validating to know that there's a name for this mysterious thing that's been going on with you. And you'll be able to find community through so many different people, so many different channels, be that TikTok, be it. Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, whatever, where, wherever you do your social media thing, or even like a support group that your doctor tells you about, like, don't, you know, you're not isolated and, and that feeling of isolation will not last. And the grief that comes, you know, when you, when you get that diagnosis, when it's confirmed, it's like, oh my God, I really am sick. It'll pass. And then you'll get to this place where you're like, you're part of this community and you're able to like, also say to other people, like, it, it doesn't last forever. You will get to a better, happier place. Like just keep on moving. Like I know that there are days when you do not want to like wake up and get out of your bed and that's okay. Don't get out of your bed. That's fine. But like that won't last forever. You will always have good days and bad days, but there will always be good days coming. I love that. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. It's I like the whole la the whole label thing is totally true because and while it doesn't necessarily matter it it's nice to have something tangible to hold on to yeah and to say look I actually have a thing I'm not just lazy I'm not just crazy I'm not yeah yeah my first, <laughs> my first tattoo on my shoulder was a barcode that I translated myself um from English to to a barcode language it's a bunch of different languages but 
Um, and if you were to scan it and translate it, it reads no labels. And um, I got this after I got my autism diagnosis and I started hearing a lot of like, can'ts, don'ts, shouldn'ts, you know, et cetera. And so I just decided like, sort of the irony of it is like, it's a label, but I said no labels. And it's, it's really for me, no labels except the ones I choose for myself. Yeah, I like that. Um, I really, really enjoyed talking to you today. Uh, it was really so cool to meet you, the person like that turned me on to fibromyalgia. Like, <laughs> like when I saw your video about like, oh, you know, I'm interviewing people for my podcast. I was like, oh my God, I could like speak to her in real life. What the heck? And so like, I immediately like was like pulling up your website and like sending you a message. And then you were like, you emailed me back so quickly. And I was like, oh my god she knows I exist so like it was my it was like my celebrity moment. that's I don't all really ridiculous care. ridiculous I don't really care about celebrities that much but like that was my celebrity <laughs> moment I was like oh my god this is happening this is real I'm gonna get interviewed by this woman that like turned me on to fibromyalgia like what the heck this is amazing and so like this is the highlight of my week obviously this is probably the highlight of my year let's be real <laughs> Well, I'm going to come down to Seattle at some point and I'll message you before I come and we can go have coffee. Absolutely. I would love to do that. That would be so cool. Once the borders open back up again. Right. When you're go. allowed to cross borders. Yeah. Without paying for like expensive tests and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. that's one of the first, yeah, we, my husband and I went to, we went down to Seattle just the November before COVID and we just went right. down and spent a night and it was awesome because it's not I too know, far, but it it's a way it's a different country what is it it's like three hours or something like that yeah, it's about three three hours. Hours. yeah that's, that's not too bad and, and I've wanted to come to Canada but you know the borders were closed or you had to like have a COVID test immediately I was like okay that's that's more trouble than I want to go to yeah. we're just gonna wait till COVID's over enough that we're not worried about border crossing yeah okay no I'm almost done <laughs> <laughs> All right, go, go take care of your little ones. It was so yeah. nice to meet you. And I hope we get a chance to hang out if you guys come back to Seattle again. Absolutely. Bye, Have small one. Bye, little wee. Bye. Gator. Talia, but Gator. <laughs> Hi, Gator. It's nice to meet you. Bye. It was really nice talking to you. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. That was such an awesome experience getting to talk to Savannah. I enjoyed it so much and 100% serious. When I come down to Seattle or if you come up to Canada, let's hang out. And once again, this is an independent podcast. I do all the work myself and it is a lot. So if you would like to support us, please go to our Patreon or Acast, both of which have links through our website, which is www.chronicallyjill.ca. And it's as little as $2 a month. You get access to early episodes, ad-free content, and a lot more. If that's not your thing, totally cool. Just listening, sharing, and subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts is just amazing. And I really hope that I get to keep doing this for a long time because I love it. So I hope you all are having an absolutely fantastic day. Lots of love and gentle hugs. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.